Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Crystal Conversations podcast. As you know, I am thoroughly honored to bring the people I've met along the way into your ears. I get to meet so many different people from different niches, different spaces. And today we're going to be honing on a honing in on a very specialized niche, which I think is unique because I did not meet this woman because of this niche. I met her in a completely different setting and then found out she had this whole other world that I was unfamiliar with that opened up. Maybe you know, maybe you don't, but she has taught me a lot. It There's never a day where I don't sit with her or watch her in one of her roles that I am not challenged to grow, challenged to be better, challenged to tighten up my details to serve in excellence in some way, shape, or form. And so it is an honor and privilege to bring this woman into your ears and welcome you to the show. Shannon Coach, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks so much for having me. So this special niche I'm alluding to, tell me about your role. So it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure that has turned into a hobby. Um, I am a pretty much lifelong fan of General Hospital, the soap opera that's been running on ABC since 1963. And yeah. um, And you were not born in 1963 to follow it from the beginning. So you sort of jumped on and stayed on. Yeah. I mean, and obviously not many people are over 60 years old, you know, and started watching from day one. And it kind of just happened, you know, everyone has this story. And so um, it was like, always in the background, you know, I heard about it. And then one day you catch an episode and then you catch an episode and then you're like, but wait, 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 what happened? What happened? (laughs) And then before you know it, it's 20 something years later. And you're doing a podcast with one of your best friends about your shared love of General Hospital. <laughs> I, I am fascinated by this because there are people in our lives that we get to know over the course of years. I mean, you and I have gotten to know each other. Oh, goodness. A good number of years. I don't even, you're better at details than I am. But I was going to ask if you actually remembered how we first quote met. Sorry, I just dropped my pen. No, I don't know. I know that you made my life better with Jamberry Nails in a chapter of your life. I know that you had been a prominent networker when you were with the um, Chamber of Commerce. There, now I get to use your amazing skills as an advocate in the realtor space, serving my family member. And so like, I've seen you in so many business settings that to embrace this, this niche love of yours for General Hospital, and then to have listened, like you and Amanda go back and forth about this show. Um, it's really just brought the talents and the admiration I have for you into a new light because I hear you getting excited and analyzing and asking great questions about something that is seemingly non-business related. It's just 
fun. It's just fun. Um, it's kind of turned into, you know, they say, if you love what you do, it'll, you'll never work. And that's really where I feel like I am. So quick answer to the question. You sent me a card because of our mutual friend, Sue. She said that we had to meet. And I you remember that. Yeah. You know why? Because the card is still on my desk. Oh, you sent me so a beautiful snoopy. card just saying <laughs> it was, it was just a beautiful card. You sent me a card saying I met, you know, we have a mutual friend in Sue. She said that I need to get to know you. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I just wanted to say hi. And I mean, it was a handwritten note, which I appreciate. So I do love some handwritten notes, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's been at least five years. Yeah. Know? Cause I met Sue we started doing community groups at our church. We've been at the church for about eight years and we met her in one of our first community groups. Um, so very early on, and we were serving as one of our service projects with her and her and I bonded because we were talking about chronic illness and trying to be a blessing through it. And she did, she said, I needed to meet you. And I was just like, oh, well, thanks. Cause I really like you. And now I get to meet this other person that she really likes. You're right. Yep. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I love other people because I, because of battling with a chronic illness, because of always figuring out how do I use this for good? How do I take the struggle and turn it into a resilience type of topic for others, which is why mm -hmm. I do the podcast to begin with. Um, I appreciate other people's memories because when you're sort of struggling in one of those dark places, or, I mean, you understand, like the reason you advocate for autism awareness is because of your own walk. But when you're in that struggle, you don't pick up the details. You don't have the same memories that other people have. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's, I struggle with depression, anxiety too. Yeah. And I had a very toxic childhood. I was in a very um, difficult environment. A very, and when I talk to people that I knew back then, they're like, we had no idea. And I felt like I was a fraud. Mm. You know, I felt like I was so unworthy that I was just unlovable, you know, that I felt like all of that was being shown, you know, and anyone who really liked me they didn't know me, you I know, and totally relate. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I do understand. I completely understand what you're saying. And I think that that's actually what helped me become such a strong advocate for my daughter because I was not familiar with myself, with autism myself, but the stigma around accepting mental health and, you know, neuro neurodiversity. It just didn't exist. Yeah. And I, I know what challenges I felt with that as being my own human, you know, but then to also have the added intellectual disability and, you know, social, um, struggles that she has, you know, I was like, nope, that's nope. I happen. love that. So. so for the listeners out there, Shannon just said uh, a very big word that she said the word neurodiversity. 
this is an important word that is now becoming a little more mainstream. I've seen it in a couple of different articles. I specifically searched this out um, because I do value the different ways that people think, which is really what that, that term is targeting. Everybody learns differently. They think differently. They have different approaches to receiving information. And so it's, it's celebrating the uniqueness of the way God created each of our brains. And it's focusing on the ways we can learn and deliver information as well as receive information in ways that are beneficial to different populations. And as she mentioned, and as I can empathize, when you struggle with depression, anxiety, a diagnosis and a different way of thinking, um, whether it's ADD or autism or a number of other summary diagnosis. Remember, a diagnosis is simply a summary of symptoms, a way of understanding. Um, it allows us to highlight how different we all are, but how amazing those differences can be to contribute to the larger group of all of us coming together. And so please don't be tripped up by the word. The goal is, um, no, 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 it's good. I think um, my goal is to make sure our listeners are always learning something. And if that's mm -hmm. something that we can understand that no matter how different we feel, how alone we feel, many of us feel like that behind that door of like, oh, they know me and they love me and they value me and I bring this. But if they only knew, yeah, would they really? Yeah. And, and that's why I like discovering the depth of this podcast that you're doing, because I know you in all of these beautiful ways. And now I get to know you in one more way, because sometimes I'm like, wow, Shannon has it all together. Wow. Oh, gosh, she no. gets so much done. And you're, you're real in saying, uh-uh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I feel like, because people say that to me and I'm like, but do we notice that I point out when I mess up royally? Yeah. <laughs> like you I know, own it. I promise. <laughs> but exactly. And I think that's something that I have done a lot of work on. It takes away the power. It takes away the shame. It takes away all those yucky things that I would feel by being the quote less than if I'm just like, no, I'm not perfect. You know, here's me flawed and all you know, and I'm trying, Yeah. you know, and how many and, of us are just like, I'm trying. I don't know what you see. I don't know why you see it that way. Please don't give me more credit than I know I deserve, but I'm yeah. trying. Yes. God has definitely given me the skill of organization and things like that. But I mean, right now I'm in the middle of my house is a mess. It's a disaster. And it is annoying to me, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, it's testing my patience and working on me that way. <laughs> We're in the middle of a few uh, projects. I was going to so. say, so sometimes, especially someone who does have the talent of organization or even just like basic wherewithal that each thing has its home. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes when our space is a mess, I know for me, I can have everything in order and within 30 minutes of anything happening in the house, the piles have returned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it points at the level of busy um, 
where we haven't tended to an area, like you said, that's important to you. Like it drives Mm -hmm. you nuts. What is, what is like your main starting point? If you were to give someone, someone else is saying, girl, my house is a mess too. We're going, I, I need help. Give them two things where they can start that doesn't require a lot of energy. Don't make a massive list. Mm. Do not make a huge list because you're going to overwhelm yourself. Pick three things and they could be small things, you know, throw on a podcast, throw in your earbuds, set the clock to 30 minutes, you know, and see how much you can just get done in 30 minutes. Um, One thing I think you, yeah, you mentioned that I'm also in real estate. So I give my buyers a binder at closing that is like a home management uh, binder. And in it has weekly, monthly, semi-annual and annual cleaning checklists. So, and just like the little reminders, like check your batteries and your smoke alarms, you know, uh, change your air filters, little things like that. I'm someone who physically, I like to write. So I like the physical check. (laughs) Um, But I think something that I really, I had to learn what was actually important, what had to be done today. Mm. You know, I know some women or some people wake up at like four o'clock in the morning just to fold laundry. And that might've been used to be me. And (laughs) maybe, then I realized it, the role that it, the toll that it was taking on my health was not worth it. You know, like the rest it, and the sanity was worth yes. more than the folded laundry. Learning to rest has been probably my biggest challenge. And for those and who have a personality to get the things done, keep the things in order, and manage what you can, mm-hmm. sometimes. Yes, we can manage a whole lot, but it comes at the cost of feeling so in control that when things get out of control, it hurts a lot. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. resting is really a battle mm-hmm. when it presents itself. Yep. Yep. I feel you. I was forced to rest. I was, which is so funny because anyone knows me that knows me in my adult life, um, especially post salvation. So I've been saved for 13 years that knows me now is like, oh yeah, Crystal got piles. Like Crystal just rolls with the flow. Like if something major like blows up, all right, let's deal with it. Let's figure this out. Like I've honed in my, okay, this is stressing me out. What, what can I do and what can't I do? But pre salvation and pre chronic illness, I was the one who all my pencils were in a line by size. All Mm. my surfaces were cleared off. Everything had its place unless it was an artistic collage or something like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. things were just so, and this was prior to the military. Oh, wow. So prior to the military, like it was my way of saying, this is what I have control over. But I was like, I held on to it very tightly with my mind and my body. Like I can control this. Don't mess with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that I've given up a lot of, I mean, when I was younger, especially like living um, in the house that I grew up in, my space was my space. Yep. 
but that's all that I could control. Everything else around me was chaos. So that meant a lot to me. I think I learned a lot through my daughter. So my organization came and helped both that way because I have binders. Guess what? They're probably messy inside, but they're at least like all the papers are in there. So I at least know where like where everything is in general. But when I had to do the career shift from corporate world to I need to make a life that's more flexible to get her the, and I have a son too. Mm-hmm you know, to make sure that she has the tools and resources that she needs, which meant in-home therapy multiple times a week, in-person therapy, going to a private school, you know, things like that. So I had to really learn to give up the stuff that really didn't matter. You know, you had so. to prioritize what mattered for your kids for your household, for yourself to be able to sustain the household and the kids and adapt. Do you think that is why there is a beauty in General Hospital where there's drama, there's mess, but like it can be wrapped up in a time frame and then followed up with like, you get to be there, but like it has safe parameters. And especially since I've been a fan for so long. So like, as as I mentioned, you know, it was, I know that my Grammy watched it. And as I became an adult, she and I would actually talk about it. And my mom eh, watched it, but then a friend's mom watched it. And I would walk home from the bus with her. And so we would always get like the 10 minutes. And then when I finally went into high school and I was home in time for it, then I watched it. And then I got invested and I mean, I've taken breaks, you know, when I had my kids, we oh, didn't yeah. have DVRs yet. You know, I think we could set up our VCRs to record, but, oh, if you forgot to turn that TV on, <laughs> you were recording nothing. So there were gaps. And if you listen to the promo of the and intro, it's our promo too, of our show, it says, is your self-care a half hour a day in Port Charles? Because it really is. It's, it's our little escape. It's, mm-hmm. It's the people that we know, it's stories that we wind up caring about. And the thing that I like the best about General Hospital, so I've actually never watched other soap operas. I have started to dive into a little bit more of like all my children because there's been some crossover and um, One Life to Live too, but those are actually both now gone. And I was going somewhere with that. The escape. Um, and so like, you just, you get to know the characters, but then we do something at the end of our podcast called the reality check, where we do share a little bit about our lives. And the reason we do that is because a lot of people think who people who watch soap operas are delusional (laughs) and we're not, we just, we enjoy it's There's no difference between actually there's a huge difference, but you know, there's other episodic TV out there. They just happen to go for 12 shows every Mm -hmm. Thursday night during the year. This show is five days a week, 52 weeks a year. These actors do not get enough credit. Yeah, just the appreciation for the amount of storyline that can sustain that type of production. Yeah. I mean. Oh, that's where I was going was the, um, I don't watch, never watched really other shows. They deal with a lot of real world issues too. Mm. So one of the biggest storylines that actually I had started watching after it had happened was 
back in the 90s, they, it was at the height of the AIDS epidemic, you know, right as we're starting to learn everything. Well, they had one of the characters, Stone Cates, contract age and he, AIDS and he, he passed away from it. Oh. And I, for the first time, actually it was this, it was this time last year because it was the 25th anniversary of when Stone passed away. So even though I had not watched the show when he passed away, I, I've known the story because his girlfriend contracted HIV and she has now lived with it. And she's a successful doctor, you know, I mean, but they've had her symptoms, like they've had her yeah, life they consistent based on how the research has gone, you know, how the world has gone because, and I mean, we're relatively the same age. I mean, when we were younger, AIDS was scary. You know, it's still not something that we want, but it's not, when we were younger, it was definitely, if you look at someone the wrong way, you could probably get it, you know, like that was yeah, kind of like the, the fear that we had. I feel and, it's so familiar to the time we're living in. <laughs> yes. And, you know, they really did a good job of, and they did a lot of research. And actually we had the honor of speaking with the actor who portrayed Stone Cates and he's amazing. And, you know, we, there's a joke, you know, you're never really dead on a soap opera. Like they bring back people from the dead all the time. Obviously that is not realistic, but he has come back three times as a ghost. Mm. Um, to see different people and it's he's like I've never wanted to come back as the twin that was long lost you know he's like that would just have taken away everything that they did yeah. and they've done that they did it with breast cancer they've done it with um and, and now they're actually doing it with autism which I am so so thankful for because they're actually having a young man who is autistic portray an autistic child and because you can't, can't make that up. Like you can empathize and you can study and you can pick up mannerisms, but there's nothing like actually navigating the journey mm -hmm. in order to teach and portray a certain level of like a certain type of just person. I mean, it's because mm -hmm. there's so many unique differences you just can't make it up in a stereotypical way, I guess is what I'm trying to. Well, they're doing a really good job and something I didn't know, I knew that one of the actresses has an autistic son, but the, so it's Ned Quartermain is the stepfather to this young man. And so they always age up the kids too. So I think that they have them at about six, seven right now. And Ned is his stepfather. Well, in real life, Wally Kurth is the actor who portrays Ned Quartermain. He also has a son mm. who he has gone through this journey and he doesn't really post that much on social media. So it's like, we haven't been made aware of that until I found out because I kind of stalked him with, <laughs> and someone pointed it out to me and they're like, look at his hashtags. It says the joy of autism mm. or the gift of autism. Um, it might be both, but that meant a lot to me because there's so many negative stereotypes around autism and I've been very, I've just, I've been curious as to how they're going through it. And right now it just seems like, nope, we're getting information. You know, there's some emotional stuff going on, but there's nothing quote wrong with him is what someone else keeps saying. And it just goes back into you're correct. However, there is still the stereotype in the world that 
if they're autistic, there's something wrong. And that's not the truth. You know, that's. It is. What was I? I was doing something the other day and it was just it like it. It's like it slammed in my face that if, oh, I'm preparing for a talk, I get the opportunity to go speak to a support group for folks with limb loss. And, and I was really just praying about the opportunity of what, what it's like to walk through, because I'm not missing a limb, but I'm missing an organ that impacts the way that I'm physically seen. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was sort of like, Lord, what does that mean? Like, how is that important? And how do I speak to this without being offensive? And he just so peacefully said, it's about owning your journey, which is the core of my messaging that he's shown me, but owning your journey, because if someone does not walk through whatever that is, it's not that there's anything wrong. It's not that there's anything like less than, like there's no rating system. It's that person has been uniquely called to a space that no one else can touch because of the journey that they've walked. Are you listening in because you found yourself ready to grow, heal, and own the value of your own journey? Go deeper with this month's digital download, bringing you points of reflection, great quotes, homework challenges, and additional mental mile markers you can use to enhance the value of stories shared by our featured guests and personalize this growth-minded resiliency content in areas that mean the most to you. Check out the podcast notes for the link to purchase at this great introductory rate. Now back to our show. Yeah. Someone that is walking with an autism diagnosis has a unique space to impact and bless and serve and be served mm-hmm. in such a way that you or I could not touch. But because of your daughter's life, you have been able to uniquely bless and touch and impact spaces that otherwise, as you said, there was a lot of learning to do. Like there was so much for you to be equipped. Yeah. And it's it's beautiful to see how much has changed. So she was diagnosed 12 years ago. She's 18 now. And that's kind of later. And it's also uh, underdiagnosed in girls mm. because they present differently. So they use criteria to, that is typically found in males to diagnose females. Well, that's, that's not usually not, helpful. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. But um, yeah, it's it's been a, a learning experience. So I'm and really excited to see where this do. It's, yeah less, not only your insights and your appreciation for the show, but the way that you do your realty business, like Mm -hmm. you not only are specializing and serving and growing in education for families who have differing needs, Mm -hmm. but you're also advocating on the education side, correct? Yes. Yes. Um, So before I got into real estate, actually, one of the first things I did was I looked to see if they had any kind of designation for working with people that have, you know, different physical, um, if they have anything, if they had any training, I guess, and they do have something called the at home with diversity, which gives 
uh, additional training to working with people with different cultural and ethnic backgrounds, but also physical and intellectual disabilities. However, the training was like a minute on disabilities mm. and not saying at all that it, it does not deserve it. But most of the training was on the cultural and ethnic background, like disability or sorry, differences. Yeah. However, 60% of complaints against real estate agents, according to the National Association of Realtors, is based on us not understanding disability. And because most realtors are familiar with their area, they're familiar with the culture and the needs and the, the other things that come into a region. Yeah. But you can't see the insides unless right. you spend time learning about right. these needs. Right. And I mean, we had a little bit of a situation when we were looking for our home. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that our agent thought we were ridiculous on some of the things that I was like, no, this is important for us. And I didn't ever want anyone to feel like that again. So I'm also on my company's DEI committee. And we just had a speaker actually last week speak to us about the challenges that people with disabilities have when finding housing. And it made me so happy yet so sad because she very specifically said, there's a reason why you probably haven't encountered this in like 20 years ago, because most people were institutionalized. Mm. They weren't expected or sometimes allowed to be among us, you know, and just thinking about that and thinking about the fact that because of my daughter's diagnosis, she would have been taken away from me. I mean, it like breaks your heart to think. I, I wound up crying during it, during the, the talk. And she, she knew she's, we're doing it on zoom. And she's like, I know I see you. And I'm like, do you want me to turn off my camera? But I mean, just, just bringing that education and awareness. And I say about 85% of people that say something don't know better. Only about 15% of people are really jerks. Yeah, I would agree. Like not, not all people choose to sound like morons right Um, it's it's most of it is you're simply functioning on what you know and there's a very small percentage of people who seek out to understand more or or physically like tear down Mm -hmm. barriers that one they don't even know they're there like for me I am, I nerd out about the brain and about human interactions. So I specifically like knock around, like when you're trying to find a stud in a wall, I'm like, is there something here that's a little thick headed more than it needs to be? And, um, and I try to explore so that at least I know I spent time asking questions. It may Mm -hmm. not change my perspective, But usually when we spend time listening to alternate perspectives, whether we agree or not, our language isn't so abrasive or callous or careless Mm -hmm. in the way that we, we deliver because all of us navigate different challenges and all of us, particularly as we're relating to these topics, own our journey differently. Like you have taken every step 
along the way from your childhood to raising your own children to the business experiences. And you found little value, little tweaks to where you spend your time, one, highlighting a guilty pleasure of yours. And not only highlighting and spending time in this 30 minutes in Fort Charles, but Fort Charles, right? Yes, you got it. Good morning. (laughs) Um, You have this 30 minutes where you spend there, but you've compounded the care by doing this show with your best friend, Mm -hmm. Um, which for those of you who don't know, like it's one thing to have an interest that refuels you, that recharges you. It compounds the effect when you pair it with a human, like When you take something like, say you like being outdoors, by all means, if it's to be quiet and get alone, you want that time. But sometimes hiking and then going with a friend or going to the gym with a friend or having a, why do you think book clubs are so important? Like you're taking this wellness approach and then pairing it with a friend and then tripling it by blessing others with your insights, your laughter, your questions, like you're pulling so many skill sets together that I think it's important for others to realize they don't have to be a general hospital fan to take what you're doing and turn it into a benefit of their own. Yeah. Cause when they first started the storyline, I had a moment where I just, I, I cried like during the whole episode, not during the whole episode, but like the whole time we were talking about it. And we received so many emails from people thanking me for being so vulnerable about it. And I almost took it out. And Amanda was like, nope. (laughs) Authenticity is powerful. And that's the thing is that we really do. We have our real conversations. We don't talk about the show until we sit down to record. And we did have, and so you're talking about, um, you know, the language around it. So something that someone did message us about and said, they're saying this with care, but I need to say that people have autism, not that they're autistic. And I said, that's actually a really interesting point because there's a divide yep. in the autism community itself. But ultimately it comes down to if the person identifies as autistic, then you say, and my daughter says she's autistic. Mm-hmm. So therefore that's my go-to. Right. So like, that's where my first go-to is. However, if you introduced me to someone and they say, I have autism, I'm not going to correct them because that is their, the way that they identify the way that they present themselves. And that's fine. You know? And I think that's the thing is that so many people they're not worried about, well, what does that mean? They're like, they're worried about we are saying it wrong, you know? And it's also the same thing as um, they're trying to remove high functioning and low functioning, which it didn't occur to me because it's on paper as my daughter's initial diagnosis that she is high functioning autistic. Mm. However, that is how we experience their autism, not how their autism impacts their life. There's no uh, more or less autistic. No, it's autism is autism. Experience. It's it's everyone's experience is different, but it's 
just because she can do maybe more independent things doesn't mean that it doesn't impact her life less. I am so glad that you've identified that because it has been, it's very important to me to recognize, like it is totally okay to own the way that you see the world as like in your own body, like self-awareness is key to high functioning well-being um, across the board, no matter what circle, no matter what space, like the more we understand ourselves and our journey and the place that we're standing and where we're coming from in relation to someone else who is articulating this is my experience. This is where I stand. And, and we can create an environment of listening and, and wanting to explore and understand simply for the sake of compassion mm-hmm. and sensitivity. Um, we don't have to change who we are and the way we approach it, but we do have the responsibility to choose are we there in a posture of learning and humility or are we there in a posture of pride and judgment? Mm -hmm. And, and it's a really difficult place to walk with something that is near and dear to our heart. Mm -hmm. And my heart aches because it is often within the place that we identify. I was talking about, I was talking with one, um, one friend and they were saying that even with their own uh, race identification, there is significant division within that space. Even with their own uh, sexual orientation, there Mm -hmm. is significant aggression and division. Even within diagnoses, um, when we say we have anxiety or struggle with depression, even with someone like me who like identifies as an ostomate who has went through severe ulcerative colitis, like th- those are split and within those places are split. So mm-hmm. I feel like our pride of saying this is better than, less than, more severe, more important, like our rating systems create divide. But when we sit in a posture of understanding ourselves and where we're coming from, but with humility and a desire to understand, say, tell me about your experience. Tell mm-hmm. me how you prefer to describe this because it's your experience. Well, and that's the thing, because sometimes I feel real guilty about being such a fierce advocate because my ultimate goal is that maybe in 10 years, you won't hear a word from me. She'll be self-advocating. And there are now um, adult advocates that are getting louder. Mm. And I'm learning from them. I try to listen to them because I'm like, I want my daughter to, as much as she wants to, you know, and there could be a time where she could be like, stop talking about it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And that's, that's going to be what it is. We were just, so she turned 18 in September and for her birthday, I gifted her. I know I have two adult children Stop that. <laughs> and I gifted her with a girl's day to go to the spa. And we were talking 
And the girls were asking her about college and about where she goes to school. And she was having trouble answering. And I didn't see a look of judgment at all, but I saw a look of like, why is this conversation being difficult? Okay. You know? And so I looked at her and I said, well, do you care if I tell them about your school and why you go to that school? And she's like, oh no, go ahead. And so I shared with them and the one girl did say something about someone being more disabled, Mm -hmm. not in a judgy way. She was like, well, she's like, well, they had more of a disability. And I'm just like, I'm not going to correct you. I'm getting a pedicure. You know, it's because again, I feel like she was part of the 85%. She wasn't saying it to be, no, you know, but she was just like, so you can go to college you know, and that shifted the conversation. And I was like, yeah, there are actually schools now that are, they have autism programs and some pretty reputable schools. I don't want, I can't think of another word to use that, but you know. Ones that have, are growing in trust. Right. And it's, it's more inclusive program. So it's a typical college experience, but they have their autism program that helps these kids have a more inclusive education where you wouldn't have had that, you know, even 15 years ago, you know. Would you say that by, by moving forward in, in owning your journey and owning the lessons learned in being respectful in where and when to kind of step in and advocate, do you feel like that allows you to continue to be entrusted with someone to, with an audience, meaning that you never expected your podcast to grow like it has. Um, you stepped out in faith into the realty space and you are knocking it out of the park with awards and recognition. And I mean, you're able to step into these advocacy spaces and, and speak life into someone who may not know there is life to be lived. Mm-hmm. Do you feel as though when we take ownership of the value of our journey that, that you get entrusted with ears yeah. to hear? Yes, um, absolutely. Because I've always, I sat down with a friend of mine And I had thought about real estate like a long, long time ago, but at the time the kids were younger, we were just getting my daughter's stuff together. And I was like, okay, that's definitely going to demand more time. So I took like little jobs and, you know, but I really valued networking. And so I always built those relationships. And yes, the people that I worked with might not have, I mean, I was in the chamber of commerce with Jamberry, you know, hardly any direct sales companies ever get involved in networking, but I did. Cause I was like, nope, I also need adult time. I also need social time. And I killed three burns with one stone. <clears throat> Listeners, and- did you see that multitasking there? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. And, and then, you know, I worked in advertising and then um, actually wound up doing membership sales and things just changed in life. And we were in a place where I'm like, you know, I can actually start focusing on my career, like an actual, not saying that none of those things were going to be actual careers, but 
something more substantial. And I really started to think one of my ultimate goals is to create a caregiver retreat center because we do not take care of ourselves. I had a complete and utter breakdown. I mean, I, I've done a lot of work. I've done a lot of therapy. I've done a go to therapy. Yes. Go. <laughs> Even counselors need counselors. So go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and get on the waiting it, list now. Cause it's very long. Yeah. But, you know, and I got involved more in church and got started in Bible studies. And I started to meet people that also had, you know, these journeys. And one thing that I was not expecting with real estate was how many other believers I would find. Mm. I mean, I've had clients that, yeah, we're looking at houses and I'm selling their house, but we're talking about our faith 90% of the time you know, and we're just talking about everything else. And we're like, yeah, look at that ceiling. So here's the deal, you know, and it's, you know, and we're just sharing back and forth and sharing life. And I think that that's, that really helps. I think my having struggles and challenges in life, I don't care if it takes someone a year and a half to find a house, you know, as long as I'm doing my job right now in the market, it's still a little crazy, but you know, I'm never going to push someone into, but you should buy this house. Mm -mm. You've always conducted yourself with integrity and no matter what role they know that you're going to be authentic, that you're going to help look at their best interest. Mm -hmm. And that, and I think like, I, I love the overlap. I'm a very aerial thinker. (laughs) so it's important to dial down, but from an aerial perspective, I'm looking at these roles that you have with the realty and the podcast, you have the beauty of it. Like, this is what you'd like to be doing. This is the motion, like the podcast is Mm -hmm. going through and reviewing, you're covering the things that the fans want to hear with realty. Like you're looking to find someone's goal home or goal business space. Like you're moving through, but in that the overlap is the reality is we're doing life together in the realty business and you're doing self-care you're escaping for those Mm. 30 minutes or for the length of the podcast and you're just you're connecting like the core of what you do is you fuel other humans and and keep them going I like that. That's a, yeah, because that's kind of how the podcast even came to be. So my friend Amanda and I met, it'll be next year's our 10 year anniversary. And, and how many we were, followers or listeners do you have? So we, well, no, 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 not for the podcast, for okay. our friendship. Our oh, friendship your friendship is 10 years. Been. Yes. We met 10 years ago at Girl Scouts and we were both Girl Scout moms. And I think I just happened to say like, I'm going to go home and watch General Hospital. And she's like, oh, I love General Hospital. <laughs> So then we start texting each other and like, we would have these conversations and people would be like, oh my gosh, who are you talking about? And we're like, general hospital. <laughs> like, don't judge us. We really like this. <laughs> and it just, it kind of started and we're like, oh, we have to do something with this. We have to do something. And it's actually kind of thanks to my husband because he has a wrestling podcast that he started in, I think it was like 2012, 2013, he used, he used to actually work for Kurt Angle, the mm-hmm. wrestler. And 
he's been a lifelong wrestling fan and he and his buddy started a wrestling radio show and it's called ring the bell radio give him a little plug and <laughs> go nuts <laughs> he kind of said he's like you guys could do a podcast I'm like he's gonna listen to a podcast about two girls watching soap operas and it I was at the gym one day and so Pier 54 a general hospital fan podcast is the name of our podcast mm -hmm. but coming up with the name is what took the longest because we're like well we can't really say general hospital podcast because that could be copyrighted we're gonna get in trouble you know and I look at all that stuff I look at the legalities I know <laughs> I'm like, am I really going to get sued by ABC for saying General Hospital? And Pier 54 is a location in Port Charles. You know, they have their waterfront and everyone always goes to the waterfront to have those little secret conversations. Mm. You know, that's where they go to, you know, converse and, you know, kind of do shady stuff. But, you know, there's some good stuff that happens on the pier too. And so we're like, that's where, that's what we should name it is Pier 54. And well, there's General multiple hospital fan podcast. Yep. And um, ever since then, and it's actually funny, I started real estate class the same exact day that we released our first episode. Really? April 1st, 2019. We recorded it, I think, the Saturday before. Our first episode was so bad. It was just <laughs> an intro into us. And we released two episodes. Those. We released, we released two new episodes every week, Mondays. So we record on Sundays after church. Um, on Mondays, we do the weekly recap of the week's previous shows, which is, you know, talking about current storyline and everything. But then on Thursdays, we do something called the Port Charles 411, which dives deeper into different character backgrounds, storylines. We actually interview other fans and get their feedback you know, and just like what they're looking for. So it, it really is, it's a lot of fun because we've been able to, we've been able to interview other cast members. You know, if you had told me 10 years ago that I would have like been talking to some of the people that I'm talking to, I'm like, how am, how am I emailing you in your personal email address? Like I have somebody's phone number. I'm not giving it out. <laughs> but I have somebody's phone number. That's because you're trusted and you do business with integrity. <laughs> the one I don't think he realized that he gave me his phone number because it came through like on his um, email. Mm -hmm. But I've never done anything with it. So <laughs> yet, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do, do anything. Have, <laughs> like there are others you've mentioned off off air that there are others that have sort of shown up and trickled out. Mm -hmm. but you are this, you are the hub for the fans um, interested in this show. Yeah, we're at almost, so today was our 279th episode. It's been two and a half. Oh, wait, it's been two and a half years exactly today. Because it was November, it was April 1st. Is April six months to November? Yeah. Sure. I don't, I don't know where we are. So. <laughs> Yes, you because I was as detail oriented over. as I am with that. I'm just like, I don't know, it was about six months ago. So yeah, two and a half years. Even so with, at the time of airing, it's been over two and a half years, two yes. episodes a week. Yes. Nearly 300 recordings. Yes. That's amazing. and we hit our first month of we had over 20,000 downloads in September. Wow. Which we used to get excited over a thousand. We used to get excited over a hundred. We're like, who the heck is going to listen to us? 
Amanda says it. She goes, I thought we were going to do this for six months and be done. I was going to ask you if you had expectations about, I mean, you guys were talking anyway. So all you were Mm. doing was hitting the record button and creating like some organization to the conversation. Yeah. Um, Now it's definitely more, um, I mean, and we're going back and revisiting. There's a character, Alan Quartermain, the um, man who portrayed him, Stuart Damon passed away in June. Mm. And he started in 1977, but he was one of our favorites and he passed away in the 2000s Well, on the show. Yeah. They killed him off. It was a huge controversy. They should have never done it. But we're going back and God bless YouTube <laughs> and people who saved their VHS HF tapes and somehow converted it onto YouTube. We don't know. That's not our skill set, but people have done it. So we've been able to actually go back and watch some of these storylines. And right now we're kind of like, why did we like him? He was a horrible person in the eighties, <laughs> but we're looking forward to revisiting the nineties and being able to, you know, watch those storylines that we hadn't seen. Like I mentioned earlier with the um, Stone Kate storyline, I knew it, I knew his storyline, but I had never sat down and actually watched it. And then I did and I bawled. Just because you get to it, impact a completely different audience, but because those I, are characters that are in in there. Yeah, but it's like I intellectually knew the storyline, but I hadn't watched it on tape and or on video, whatever, whatever we're watching on now. And uh, you know, it was COVID was kind of scary because they did. We had three months of no new episodes, mm. and so they did show. Um, older storylines. So like they would do collections where they would do, you know, the best of Sunny, the best of, you know, Carly and Sunny, you know, all these different topics. And that was fun to revisit too. But even how they've had to come back and you can tell like there's still a difference with how they have to shoot probably because some characters you don't see for like two weeks. Yeah. Where pre-COVID we would have probably seen them. Which can be really interesting whether you're whether you're a fan or not, just kind of hearing your in-depth look at the show's functioning in an atypical time or, Mm -hmm. uh, or figuring out what is their new normal when it comes to these filming and being able to do this. Yeah. I mean, five days a week, that production is just, it's mind blowing to me. Like the amount of investment. They get one take. Like everything that we watch, they, if they really, really mess up, they might've had a second take third. No, probably not. So, I mean, these actors are on, and some of them have actually talked about the fact that like, they'll try to go do movies or try to go do something else. And they're like, I can't wait around that long. Yeah. Like they're ready to go. Exactly. And (laughs) you're high performer. (laughs) Exactly. Very cool. Well, Shannon, I am, I'm just so appreciative, as I said in the beginning when we started, where every time I'm with you, I feel as though I'm pushed to, to learn something new, to grow in some way, to, to take myself and, and push it in a way, not because there's, there's a standard to be met or there's a, there's a great way of doing things, but simply because the essence of who you are is I'm ready to learn something new. 
I'm okay with self-improving. I'm open to feedback. I want to be good for the people I serve. Like everything that you do is, is a struggle to serve others, sometimes for your own detriment and sometimes <laughs> for the larger <laughs> impact, but, but your the heart is aligned no matter the role, no matter the journey. And that's why I want my listeners to, to have gotten to know you in your different capacities, because I'm not afraid that if they ran into you at a networking meeting or out on the street, or you get to be their agent, that they wouldn't be cared for in an authentic way. And so I appreciate you pouring into them during this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have any final thoughts? We know they can find you. The Pure 54, a general hospital fan podcast. Um, It's on all major platforms. Okay, sweet. Uh, On social media, we are on Instagram at a general hospital podcast. I finally took a little dive there. Um, Same thing with Facebook. We do have a Facebook group that you can find off of our Facebook page. <laughs> and we're also on Twitter, AGH podcast, or you can just go to peer54.com or no, wait, or peer54podcast.com. Um, and I found it in my Spotify. So I looked for it and I was like, oh, hey, this is the one. <laughs> we're on Spotify. I We're on all the major platforms. So like we're even on Amazon Music, Pandora and iHeartRadio, which that was fun. Um, I know that you had asked me to talk a little bit about, well, obviously podcasting, you know, but if anyone's considering doing one, just do it. You know, it was really why we took so long to get started. I don't know. Um, Don't get hung up on the numbers. You know, don't get discouraged by it. When we first started in a month, we would maybe have a hundred, you know, and then I just shared, you know, in one month in September, we had over 20,000 you know, and that just kind of came out of nowhere. I, and we switched platforms too. So like, don't be scared to switch. Don't be scared to, just don't be scared. Like have you know, fun with the work that you're doing. Exactly. And you're going to get a lot of spam messages offering services that you probably don't need. So don't, don't necessarily fall for that, but just have, have some kind of an outline though. I, at least I listened to a lot of podcasts, so I kind of knew what I wanted, mm-hmm. but make the show that you want to listen to. And with consistency. Yes. And be cons- hands down, be consistent. As Crystal mentioned earlier, you know, we actually didn't know that there was another podcast before us and there have been some that have popped up since I really don't pay attention. That, that yeah. I'm not saying this, in, but I don't pay attention to, cause I don't get competitive because everyone has their own different take and you're going to appeal to different audiences and someone could listen to us and listen to all the other ones. And that's okay. I don't care. If I you a lot find of joy, don't compare. Exactly. Like, it just do you. Yep, exactly. And I mean, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. I highly doubt those hosts are mad that I'm listening to three other you know, it's, you like what you like. And if there's not anything out there that you like, make it. Yep. So just don't get trying. I think that's been one of my things too, is that it's really helped me to let go of, um, 
overly being overly critical of myself mm. and just like really putting myself out there. So I think that's so powerful when we can we can put our true selves, our true guilty pleasures that are healthy out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, when we can find like-minded people, I mean, realistically, the the biggest fear is like we all feel so isolated, we all feel mm-hmm. so separated or alone that if we open the door to that comparison or questioning of who we are, that's when we start to stand on shaky ground. But when we truly own who we are and who we're becoming, we're not stuck in who we are today. Mm-hmm. We actually get to choose who we're becoming tomorrow. That's that's the power in owning the value of your journey and, and seeing what can become of it. And so you're, you're truly a representation of that. Um, I think that that's some really wise advice when it comes to thinking about podcasting. It is something that's come growing in popularity, growing in usage and, and can really bless someone who feels just like you. Like, is there someone out there that gets me? And we've become friends with other podcasters. You know, we've exchanged ideas with other general hospital that they might not always talk about GH, but you make friends. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the same thing like in real estate. I cannot logistically sell all of the houses in Pittsburgh. If that's, that's a, <laughs> no. That would be an outlandish <laughs> and unrealistic goal. It would not. Coach would tell you. Shannon. It would be a disservice to anyone. So you know, just come up with a, a basic outline and, st- and stick to your convictions. So yeah. like we have no swearing, no spoilers and no ship wars because people get real passionate about the couples on the show mm-hmm. and we don't do it. And we don't do it. Boundary lines, healthy boundaries, yep. applicable in all areas of life. Yes. <laughs> Shannon, again, I thank you so much for your time. Listeners, I know that whether you're here for business, whether you're here for pleasure, whether you're just passing the time as you get some of those productive things done in your house, that you will be blessed by pausing on some of those takeaways, whether it's dealing with stress, identifying interests, being authentic with self, creating healthy boundaries, being consistent in the call on your life. Um, there's so many wisdom nuggets to be taking home. Um, I, I want you to pay attention that this was not just a conversation about one podcast, but it was truly a reflection of how a life well lived can impact more than we could have ever imagined. And so Shannon, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. You're going to make me cry. (laughs) That's sweet. Thank you. We're so glad you're here. Um, And y'all jump over and listen to Amanda and Shannon on the Pier 54, a general hospital fan podcast. Take care, everyone. Thank Thank you.